Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. But I, I want to minister a little more organically this morning. I want to speak to you around the story of the prophet Elijah. I feel like he's a very pertinent figure in, in our time right now. He, he was thrust into a culture that's not at all unlike ours. So he enters the scene in 1 Kings chapter number 17. He walks in and he just drops all the mics. <laughs> first Kings chapter number 17 is the first time we hear about this prophet who was infamous and actually referred to right throughout the Bible. But did you know he was only present for seven chapters? Wow. Seven being the perfect number. He, like, he fulfilled his assignment and then got VIP status delivery to heaven via a, a chariot of fire. But Elijah came onto the scene at a time just like ours, where perversion and corruption, I mean, it was crazy, y'all. It was crazy. You think today's crazy? It was crazy back then. Crazy's been around for a really long time. So, so in crazy times, and, and when I say crazy, let me, let me kind of dial it down a little bit. There was a lot of sexual perversion. There was a lot of confusion. Jezebel, who was the queen, who was married to the king of Israel, who was really just a, a king in name only. He was completely under Jezebel's thumb. In fact, the Bible says that no one did, no, there was no king more evil than Ahab because he was so corrupted by his wife's influence. And she was, she was a, 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 a Baal worshiper. She was a princess from Sidon. Ahab did what he, no man is meant to do. He went outside of the kingdom of Israel to get a bride. And of course, that was, you know, the beginning of the end. And instead of him influencing her, she influenced him. So let me just put a word out there to the young adults and people looking for marriage right there. There's a reason the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's just an aside. That's, that's an aside. So, so the land is now in a, like in a famine because there's a curse on the land because people had rejected God and were worshipping the Baals and the Asherahs, but they hadn't tossed God out. They were still like going to church on Sunday, putting a little bit of money in the offering, maybe going to a conference here and there, but not letting the church change their lives. They were still in the clubs during the week. So they wanted God because, I mean, I mean, nobody's going to toss God out, right? I mean, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. So they're like, we want that blessing, but we want this pleasure too. And so this is the culture that Elijah is thrust into. Not only that, there was a lot of baby sacrifice. True for then, true for now. They used to sacrifice their babies to a demon called Moloch. And when, when we look at the parallels between then and today, you can see that it makes sense that God would be wanting to raise up men and women, but more specifically men with the spirit of Elijah in our hour. 
So we see Elijah step onto the scene in 1 Kings chapter number 17, and he walks into the palace and he walks into the face of the evil, corrupt King Ahab. And he says, because of your wickedness and your idolatry, there will be no rain or even dew except at my word. And the heavens shut up. And for several years, Israel was thrust into a famine and a drought at the word of the prophet, basically signifying because you've rejected me, God says, I have rejected you. And the barrenness of your hearts is going to be reflected in the barrenness of this land. But then God doesn't, you know, like with every problem, there's always a solution. God's a good parent, wants to teach us a lesson, but I'm also going to send someone who is marked as a saviour to bring you out of your mess and call you up into your destiny. So that's what Elijah's mandate was. So he walks in, no dew or rain at my word. Then from there, he moves on and he goes and he resurrects a single mother, a widow's son from the dead. He's a good guy. And then he, uh, he challenges the people of Israel. And says to them, how long are you going to live with your compromise? If if Baal is God, then serve him. Knock yourself out. See how that works for you. But if the Lord is God, then serve him. And then he doesn't stop there. He takes it one step further. He gets all the prophets of Baal and all the prophets of of the corrupt Asherah together. And he kills them as one man. I mean, it's a slaughter. (laughs) <laughs> it, it is a beast mode. He, he literally was the, the human manifestation of every hashtag Emerge Conference has ever had. He's beast mode. He's warrior. He's champion. He's, uh, I mean, what else have you guys called your conferences? He's, he's Lionheart. He's Valor. He, he's all of it. He's a walking Emerge meme. But then all of a sudden, things start to shift in Elijah's life because after facing such a lone and lonely battle of being really the one man who was willing to stand up and not stand up just in his own family, but stand in the public square. This guy was not not afraid to stand and say what he believed in. And as a result... Uh, the eye of Jezebel fell upon him. So we're going to pick up the story in 1 Kings chapter 19. It says this, And then Ahab, this is the woke and wicked king, told Jezebel, his evil demonized wife, all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. (laughs) So Elijah, when he saw that, ran for his life. Stop everything. This guy just killed some of the biggest influences, the prophets in that nation, it's basically like walking in and taking out every fake news journalist, right? That's what they were. They were fake news journalists, the prophets of Baal and Asherah, peddling lies, deception. So, like, he's, he's brave. The, the first time we see him, he, he rocks into the palace, the, the first scene that we are privy to from the prophet Elijah's life, he's walking into the highest 
court of the land and telling them what time it is. And then he's standing in the public square and telling the people to stop living in compromise. This, this was not a, a fearful, intimidated man. And yet, when he saw this, the Bible says, he arose and he ran for his life. Can I, can I speak to the, to the men for a moment? Isn't it true that there are times in life where you can fight the battles and you have the courage and you experience the victories, but there comes a day where it feel, feels like even your best isn't good enough and you just don't have the energy to fight anymore. And this is where Elijah found himself. But can I say to you also, man, true for Elijah, true for you, we are never defined by our worst day. We are never defined by the moments where we feel like we have failed or we've been fearful or we've backed up when God has asked us to move forward. I'll keep reading. So he ran for his life and then he dropped off his servant there in Judah. But he himself, Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Take my life, Lord, for I am no better than my father's. And isn't it interesting when, you're, when you feel like you've had the wind knocked out of you and you feel like your best hasn't been good enough, that you, you can revert to all the things that you feel like may disqualify you from your past. Like he went from the highest heights and now he's at the lowest low. And then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, and this is, this is some good advice here. Sometimes you just need to go to bed. Yeah. Just have a sleep. <laughs> then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him, and this is so beautiful, and said to him, arise and eat. And then he looked. So he was depressed. He was fearful. He was suicidal. He was feeling like a bit of a failure and a coward. He was embarrassed to be in his own presence. And then he wakes up and he looks and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. I want to say to you today, how beautiful is God? Yes. See, Elijah had experienced the provision of God before. In 1 Kings 17, first stop, we see the ravens feeding him. But it was at that moment that he was being obedient to God and he dropped his prophetic bomb in the palace and God said, okay, now you get out of here. And he was running because God told him to, told him to not running because he was afraid. And, and God provides, he sends the animal kingdom to feed him, which I, as an animal lover, appreciate. There's people out here, you wouldn't want animals to touch you. If a raven came with food for me, I'd gobble it down. I'd be like, oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. Two of my love languages fulfilled at once, animals and food. So he receives that provision. Of course, well, I've been brave, I've been strong, I've been obedient, I've been fearless. I'll take the raven food, thank you, Lord. And then on from there, God sends him, now I'm going to get a single mother to provide for you. And he rocks up and he's bold in his asking of the single mother, hey, before you eat, feed me. Before you have something to drink, give me something to drink. I mean, it's bold. You don't do that if you're intimidated or in shame. So Elijah, he's bold. But, but now while he's discouraged and now while he's depressed and now while he's feeling like his best hasn't been good enough and he feels like a bit of a failure, God shows him something so beautiful. My faithfulness to you 
is not dependent on your level of faith or your faithfulness to me. You're my child and I'm going to feed you because I love you and because you bear my name and because you're my kid. And even though you feel worthless and even though you feel like you don't deserve it, I'll back it up all the more. And you know what? God doesn't just feed him once. He feeds him twice. And this time he's not sending ravens and single mothers. He gets an angel to do it. Supernatural food. Can I encourage the the men? Really, this is a message to the men in the hearing of the women today so you can be esteemed, encouraged, and understood. When the enemy comes in like a flood and tries to, like a serpent, entwine your life with shame over all your weaknesses and shortcomings, it is then that God doubles down in his provision and his presence over your life. Don't let your weaknesses have you run away from God. Have them running you to God to receive everything that he wants to give you. Too many men have come under this spirit of shame and it, and it puts them under a ceiling that God intended, never intended them to live under. Oh, well, I'm not perfect. Um, yeah, God already knows you're not. And in this story, he shows us through Elijah's story, I'm not just going to feed you when you're a hero when you're a champion, I'm going to feed you when you feel like a failure. And in fact, I'm not just going to use ravens and single mothers. I'm going to send angels from heaven. I'm going to send a messenger of God to you to give you food that you don't even feel like you deserve. That's a word for somebody today. Somebody needs to pull that down. And then the journey continues and the Bible says that Elijah gets up in the strength of that meal and he runs for 40 days. I mean, that's quite the protein bar. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's some multi-level marketing place out there that wants to patent that thing and sell it. Don't sign me up. (laughs) I like my three square. 40 days he runs, and the Bible says he runs somewhere significant. The Bible says that he runs on the strength of that food for 40 days, but he runs to a place called Horeb, the mountain of the Lord. Now, this is not lost on me, because Horeb is mentioned in the Old Testament many times, and it's the place where God spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friend. Men, I want to say to you, when when you're overwhelmed, when you feel like you're weak, when you feel like you're a bit of a failure, don't run away from God, run to God. Run to God, but run to Him, understanding that when you come to God, just like Jesus said, when you ask me for bread, I won't give you a stone. There is actually food from heaven. God wants to give you a word that God wants to get to you to dislodge you out of that fear out of that insecurity, out of that intimidation, and into affirmation that you are a son of God. I want to make this point, and I want you to write this down. Ladies, especially you. Every man needs a cave, and every woman needs a caveman. Let me explain this. 1 Kings 19, chapter 9. And there, Elijah went into a cave. Now, I'm not talking about the cave that just has the dartboard and the whiskey and whatever else you guys keep in there that's complete, a complete anathema to women. He goes into a cave and he spends the night in that place. And behold, listen, listen, the word of the Lord came to him. Guys, 
Where do you run when you're overwhelmed? Do you run to the man cave to escape? Or do you run to the man cave to connect with God and get a word from heaven? Elijah, when he was in his darkest place, he ran into the cave to get a word from God. I reckon in his thinking, he was going, well, Horeb, Horeb. I know where Horeb is. And I remember Horeb was the place that God spoke to Moses. And, and he got a word and he was given a word and he got a word for the people and a word to, to get them unstuck. God, I'm believing that you're going to give me a word too. Every man needs a cave and every woman needs a caveman. Now, I'm very happy I'm married to a caveman. Because try as I might, over almost 31 years of marriage, I have tried to pull that man down when I'm depressed and I'm sad and I'm scared and I'm worried into my doldrums. Jürgen, come sit in the pit with me and we can talk about our feelings and talk about how hopeless it is and how things aren't going to change. But I thank God I'm married to a caveman. Do you know why we survived, our church survived in 2020? Because your pastor's a caveman. He's a caveman. So when everybody else was losing their collective marbles about what was happening in the world, oh, we're all going to die. Oh, we need to wear at least seven masks at once. Oh, we can't see our grandchildren. Oh, we need to shut down the church. Oh, we need to, oh, no, no. I thank God that I got a husband who knows how to go into a cave and get a word from God and come out and say, you know what? The worst thing we could do is shut the doors of the church. We are open for business, America. I thank God I'm married to a caveman. I don't need him to affirm all my worries and fears, anxieties. I need him to go into a cave and get a word from God to lead our family and our church forward into the future. And that's exactly what happened for Elijah. He went into the cave and God, God is the best preacher of all time, 100%. So, so he doesn't just give Elijah a word. He gives him like a, like a play a theatrical experience. So Elijah's in the cave and all of a sudden there's a great wind, a wind so ferocious, the Bible says that it, it splits rocks in two. But God was not in the wind, the Bible says. And then all of a sudden there's an earthquake. It's like California up in there. And, and the earth is quaking. But the Bible says, but God was not in the earthquake. And then a fire, fire, flickering, burning, melting fire. But God was not in the fire. And then a still, small voice. What is God saying to Elijah in the most extra extravagant way? I need you to understand what I'm not in. And I need you to understand that my voice trumps even the most extra extravagant displays that the world can throw at you. All the natural circumstances that are screaming through your attention, that want you to get you to bow your knee to them and heed to them and be confounded by them. Wait, Elijah, I'm not in that. Listen for my still, small voice. 
every woman needs. And every woman wants, even though she may not admit it, a caveman. A man who will not stand in fear or stay in fear, but run to the mountain of God, find himself in the cave and listen for the voice of the Lord. And then something incredible happens while Elijah's in the cave and he waits and he withstands the wind, the earthquake and the fire and is able to look past the natural displays and hear the still small voice. God speaks to him and gives him a strategy. Isn't that amazing? You go in confused. You go in depressed, you go in staggering, but you come out with a swagger because you got a word from God and a strategy. So God speaks to Elijah and says, okay, I'm going to give you the pathway, I'm going to give you the people, and I'm going to give you the big picture, the pathway. I want you to go back through the wilderness of Damascus. Don't go the way you came, go back a different way. I'm going to give you the pathway. And then he tells him the people. He says, I want you to anoint Jehu. I want you to anoint Haziel. And I want you to anoint Elisha, prophet in your place. He shows him the people. And then he gives him the big picture. He says, and by the way, by the way, Elijah, I know you've been piping off about how you're alone, but let me zoom out for you. Because how many people when they're in their worst day and they're depressed and they're suicidal and they're feeling everything that Elijah, who was a really great man, but every great man has a bad day, was feeling, what do they think? I'm alone. There's no, there's no one. There's, I'm the only one left. And God's like, okay, when you come into my cave, into this confined space where you hear from me, I'm going to zoom you out. And all of a sudden he sees the picture, the big picture, not his tiny little spot where he feels under the pinch and in the vice. All of a sudden he sees clearly. And God says to him, there are 7,000 more like you who have not yet bowed their knee to Baal nor kissed him. Do you know when we're going through a crisis, men and women, particularly men, we can feel very alone. And part of that is divine because, you know, in the beginning, you were alone. There was no woman around there to tell you what to do, right? And God designed it that way because sometimes men, single and married, you need to hear this, you will feel alone because that's how it was in the beginning. It was just you and God. My wife doesn't understand me. Exactly. God's like, yeah, I I want you to kind of understand that in the beginning, it was just you and me for a bit because every now and then in life, it's just going to be you and me for a bit. Your wife won't understand you. Your kids won't give a rip. But you have a father in heaven who walks with you just like he did with Adam in the cool of the day that wants to speak to you. So you can walk in strength. You may walk, you may walk into that cave staggering, but you will walk out with a swagger. You will walk out with a swagger. So during, during COVID 2020, that's exactly what happened with my husband. And he walked in with a stagger, God, I don't know what to do. All the natural elements are screaming for my attention, but I just, I know in my spirit, you're not in them. And God spoke to him and many of you are here today because my God spoke to my husband, my, my caveman. But you know the amazing thing, the big picture. Pastor Jürgen is obviously on the trip with our church family, 130 members of our church family in Israel right now. So they were just at Uh, the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, from across like 
in the parking lot as their bus is about to get back on to their bus. Their, their group is about to get on their bus. Another group from another church from another part of the world is getting off their bus. And, and all of a sudden, Jürgen was telling me, he hears, Pastor Jürgen, awaken church. Is that you, Pastor Jürgen? And they were, it was like a Canadian pastor. Is that you, Pastor Jürgen, eh? <laughs> and Jürgen's like, well, well, yes, yes, it's me. And he's like, oh, my, I can't believe I'm meeting you. This is surreal. And not only am I meeting you, I'm meeting you in the Holy Land. You, you need to understand. Now, here's where I'm talking about big picture. Sometimes in the dark day, we don't understand the big picture. This guy walks up and he's like, I'm a pastor from a church in Toronto. And during the lockdowns of 2020, 2021, your church inspired us to keep our doors open. You're the reason we stood. You're the reason. Thank God for your courage. Thank God for your courage. And not only that, guess what he said next? And then he pulls another guy over and he said, and it's this guy in my church that started the trucker convoy. The trucker convoy. Can you believe it? Big picture. Zoom out. Zoom out. Zoom out. There's a purpose to what you're walking through. And sometimes you can feel alone and nobody understands me. I'm the only one who's zealous for the Lord. But all of a sudden, God will zoom out. Oh my gosh, that's why it happened. Man, find yourself in a cave. If your man cave only has a dartboard and, and whiskey glasses, then, then get a bigger dream for what God wants to do for you in that cave. He, he, he wants to speak to you. He wants to lead your family through you. And I want to encourage you today. God doesn't give us a mandate, a mantle and an assignment and not equip us for it. He doesn't do that. Like you, this era, and we can tell that, that that spirit Jezebel that was prevailing in this time is present today because what it does is it emasculates man. I may have said this at the beginning, but it's three services. I don't know if I'm repeating myself. Um, but she was surrounded by eunuchs. She was surrounded by eunuchs. In fact, it was the eunuchs that tossed her out the window. Ironic. The, the ones who were most intoxicated and, and humiliated by her sorceries were the very ones to toss her out the flipping window, right? Okay, so the emasculation of men abounded. Hello, 2023, right? So that's why we tell that that same spirit is trying to get its demonic claws into this generation. So we need to understand that there has been an attack leveled at men that we would be foolish to underestimate. And that's why when I saw that T-shirt, The Future is Female, come out, I thought, well, not on my watch. I can't think of anything worse than a future that is purely female. I don't plan on changing my own tyres, and I also don't want to open my own door, and I'd also prefer to not pay for my own meal. So... <laughs> and there are, of course, the shallow aspects. But, but I want to say today to, to that spirit that has tried to land on our men. Oh, the future is female, ill. The future is male and female. The future is sons and daughters. The future is family. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. 
And then at, at the end of this story, I mean, it's beautiful. Elijah comes out and he does everything that God had told him to do. But at the end of his life, remember, let's, let's recount Jezebel's threat over Elijah, okay, when she, when she calls him out in 1 Kings 19. Far be it from me if your life is not like the, one, the life of one of these dead prophets by this time tomorrow. She sent a curse his way. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. Can I say to you, men and ladies, specifically men though, can I say to you today, the enemy may hold a threat, but God holds your future. The Bible says this in the book of Proverbs, a curse without a cause will not alight. It will not harm its intended victim. There have been words sent out to afflict and almost try to lay a curse on the men of our land. Like, we don't need you. I am woman, hear me roar. Like, no, don't accept any of that. That, that curse will not alight on you. God has divinely designed you to be gatekeepers, leaders in our society, people who are anointed and carry the mantle of God to restore the hearts of the fathers to their children. You are God's curse breakers in our land, following in the footsteps of Jesus. So when a spirit such as the one we're seeing prevail across the land now is not just contested by the mama bears, and I love the mama bears, but my gosh, when a man of God stands up in his strength and stands in his fullness and stands in his wholeness and stands not as a God's client or God's employee, but a son of God, everything will shift across the face of the earth. The devil may hold some threats, but God holds your future. Jezebel told Elijah, you're going to die and I'm going to kill you. Not only did she not kill him, and not only did he not die, he never died. He never died. He was one of the few people in the entire Bible that never tasted death. When his time came, God was just kind of like putting an exclamation point on the fact that he holds his future. Like, yeah, Jezebel, you know what? He actually was going to die like a normal person would. But because you said that, I'm going to double down again. And I'm sending him up to heaven on a chariot of fire. But the story doesn't end there. So not only does Elijah never die, guess who does? Jezebel. So she sent a curse. It boing. God got out his shield and boing, and it came back on her. Ah, I'm melting. I'm melting. What a world. What a world. Right? And so the eunuchs, the very ones who had been so tormented by her witchcraft, were the ones who pushed her out the window with a little bit of help from Jehu. She falls to the ground. She's trampled by horses and then dogs eat her body. It's horrifying. And you all thought the Bible was boring. (laughs) Nothing of her was left. There was no remains left to bury save the palms of her hands. I don't know why they left the palms. They left the palms. So not only did the curse not touch Elijah, it bounced back on Jezebel. I speak a word over you today, man. The very curses that have been leveled your way, in Jesus' name, we reverse that curse. We, we send it back to hell 
from whence it came. And we declare over to you today blessing, that you would see every word that God's spoken over your life fulfilled, that you would stand in this hour not disparaged by ill voices, ill spirits, and ill-informed women who wanna pull you down from your purpose, but instead we call you blessed. We call you highly favoured. We call you the greatest men of the greatest generation ever to be on God's earth. In fact, stand to your feet, man. I want to pray over you today. Lift your hands to God. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every voice that rises against you in judgment, God will condemn. God is going to do it. So much broken Rhetoric and so many broken narratives out there concerning our men. You are not what the world has said you are. You are not what ill-mannered, ill-spirited people have spoken over you. You are what your Father has said about you. This is an issue that has been faced by men throughout the ages. You think about it, Gideon. God comes to Gideon. Gideon, you mighty man of valour. The first thing to come out of his mouth was me. I'm the least of the least. My father's house is the least in all the tribes of Israel and I'm least in my father's house. But God just turns to him and says to him, go in this might of yours. God knows who you are. God knows what he's asked you to do and he's gonna help you walk in the assignment and the mantle that he's put on your life. I just see an ease coming, man. I see an ease. That, that where there's been shame that has kept you under a ceiling, just remember again, the experience of Elijah, it was when he felt his most hopeless, depressed and worn out and weary and faithless that God doubles down providing for him. And some of you have let shame over your shortcomings have you live under something that God wants you to reign over. And He's gonna show you, I am your provider, not just on the mountaintop, but when you're in the valley, not just when you're faithful, but when you're faithless. Isn't that what the Bible says? When we are unfaithful, God remains faithful because He cannot deny Himself. He's your dad. He's your dad. Father, I thank You right now for these magnificent men. Father, we speak a blessing right now. Ladies, would you just stretch out your hands to the men here today? And Father, we as women repent for for every spirit we've allowed to land, for every word that we've said that is disparaging, for every time we've tried to make them more like us and less like them, Father, we repent. We thank You for the gift of man. We thank You for the gift of Adam. We thank You for the mantle. We esteem the mantle. We recognise the mantle. We call out the strength in them. We stand like Deborah today. Arise, Barak, for the Lord is with you. Father, let them know that God is with them, just like you were there for Elijah and you showed him in so many beautiful ways that he was called, he was appointed, he was chosen. Let them find their man cave, not a place to escape, but rather a place to find you and get a word from heaven. God, we bless them today and we honour them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So don't buy what the broken world is trying to sell you, fellas. And I'll be the first to say, I'll be the first to say it. You can count on, on me to be the greatest champion of men. Because if we want strong women 
and we want secure women and we want strong families and we want healthy children, then we need strong men and we've got to invest into the strength of our men. Then we won't have to have all these silly conversations that really don't make any difference. If we restore the value of manhood instead of disparaging, and can I say maybe as an add-on, because I've got a little bit of time, if you're allowing television shows in your home that make men look like idiots, and the woman's a boss babe, but the man's some bumbling fool that can barely put a sentence together and stays at home and just quips off from the armchair, like, turn it off. That's, that's propaganda. Hey, if you're gonna be indoctrinated, and you should be, let it be with the doctrine of the word of the Lord. Let it be with the indoctrination of heaven. In the beginning, I created them male and female. Men as stewards, rising as the champions that are needed for our time. We want to put courage in you, not take it out of you. Where the devil has tried to rub you through shame, we say shame off you in Jesus' name. We declare that your best days are yet ahead of you. You can rise in strength and do all that God has intended and designed you to do. Amen. I think I said everything that needed to be said. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We love our men. We love our men. And more than that, we need our men and we need all our men to be cavemen. Not the, not the prehistoric with the club dragging the woman back to the cave by the hair. No, 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 no. That's not what I mean. We need you to find your cave, your Mount Horeb, where God speaks. And we need you to not come out until He's given you a word. Oh my gosh, I love my husband. And I wish every, every woman and every family could have a husband like mine. As much as I've tried to make him a warrior, he always emerges a warrior because he's a caveman and he goes into the cave and he doesn't come out till God's given him a word. True for me, gonna be true for you. Amen, Leanne. Well, that's enough for everybody to chew on, right? Stand to your feet. Let me pray a blessing over everyone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your church. Thank you for the family of God. And to everyone who feels alone today, Father, zoom out. Let them see, like you did to Elijah, you, you, you zoomed out and you, you showed him you're, you're not alone. I would say to you today, if you're here and you feel alone, just look, look around. I don't know if Elijah had a community. It's, the Bible doesn't tell us. He was only there for seven chapters. But you have a community. Look around you. The church isn't a place we attend. It's not an organization. The church is a family. And can I be honest with you, you get out of it what you put into it. You can't ignore your family members, reject them, never show up to family events and expect to be connected. I feel lonely. Yeah, well, whose fault is it? Do something about it. Get, get round the Thanksgiving table, friends. Pour yourself in. When the church doors are open, find yourself here. Make some friends. Go to a connect group. Meet some great men. Go to Emerge. Go to Cherish Ladies. Like, graft yourself into the body of Christ. God bless you, everyone. Have an amazing Sunday. Rex Crane's going to be here on Wednesday. Go in the love and the favour and the light of the Lord.
Go in the might of the Lord. God bless you. If you would like prayer for anything, come down the front. Our team is going to be here to pray with you. If you would like to give your life to the Lord, if you've never heard about Jesus and you would like to become a Christian, we want to pray with you in our response lounge. We have Bibles and great peoples to lead you in a conversation, tell you more about God. We're so glad you're here and we're so glad you're coming back Wednesday night for Rex Crane. Have a wonderful Sunday, everyone. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.